started this message uh, a couple of weeks ago about off the song I heard about need a favor and talking about people's relationship with God that they only go to God when they need a favor. It's what the lyrics of the song said. And I thought to myself how bad that is in life that that uh, you you only relationship you have with God is you talk to God when you need a favor. You need something. Amen. That's the wrong way. That's the wrong place. God doesn't want to do that. God wants to have a relationship with us. Everybody say relationship. He wants to have a relationship with us where we sit down and drink coffee with him. Now, that's pretty amazing to think that the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it and all that, that he wants to talk to you. But that's how important you are. Y'all just looking at me. Nobody even got excited or happy about that. I mean, he wants... To talk with you. He wants to sit down and have a conversation with you. God. Right? But if you don't believe it or you never take time, I mean, if you want to have, you know, a relationship with somebody, you have to spend time with them. Right? If you, I mean, that just makes sense. But if you don't spend time with God, well, then you're not going to have a relationship. And so then you're only going to go to God when you need a favor. You're going to be living your life and going through life but you've got this awesome heavenly father that wants to be a part of your life and you're not going to have any relationship with him. Okay? Now, some people's relationship with God is they don't really want to talk to him because they're pretty sure they're in trouble and they don't want to get in trouble. Hello? I know none of you good people ever did this, but as a teenager growing up, if you did something wrong, you didn't want to go talk to your parents when you got home. See, I like it how everybody got quiet. I don't know. I've heard of this, but I've never seen it wrong. No, you know. You know you didn't want to go talk to your parents. So they grow up with that mentality. They don't want to talk to God because he's Father God and they're going to get in trouble. And so they don't develop a relationship. Or if they do, it's some kind of warped, twisted relationship. It's not right. But I'm telling you, God wants to have a relationship with you as you would have with your best friend. Somebody you can sit down with, somebody you can talk to, somebody you can share your feelings with, somebody you can, can tell your disappointments to, your excitements to, Everything, you can do it. Amen? Okay, so the first thing I gave you as a point to developing a relationship with God, the first thing is that you have to have an understanding that you have, you, you, you need to realize you need this relationship. Because a lot of people don't, why do they need God? They think they don't need God. They can make it on their own. They can go out and just do whatever they want to, and they're going to end up, and they're going to make it on their own. Why do I need God? Hello? We all know people like that. And they don't, that relationship with God is not what's important to them. And I showed you some scriptures, and that's why I said I didn't want you to go to a certain place, because I gave you some scriptures on this last week. And uh, this is a communion Sunday. All those of you out there that are going to have, be having communion with us, get your communion elements ready. We have an open communion service. If you believe you're in Jesus, man, you're welcome to have communion with us. And so um, I don't want to take a lot of time reviewing. Go back and watch the video from last week. And so anyway, we talked about the younger son. He came to himself. This is where we got to get to. We got to get to this place in life where we come to ourselves and we know we need Jesus. Amen? And so that was the point one. Now, here's point two I didn't get into last week. And if I did, well, then we're starting there anyway. So go to Luke 14.34. Now, I'm the kind of person that I don't, you know, I mean, of course, I don't know everything. And so whenever I find something in the scriptures and I 
you know, it, I, I just like, what? I don't, I don't really know what you're talking about here, Jesus. Well, I do what I call putting it on the back burner. Like on the stove, you know, when you got something that's just going to simmer or just kind of keep it hot, you just put it on the back burner. And then every now and then I take it out and I turn the heat up on it and I study it and I look at it and twirl it around and look and say, well, I don't know, I'm still not understand it. So then I just put it on the back burner and I go through life like that. And then all of a sudden, one day, it's just like out of the blue, the Holy Ghost says, get that off the back burner. Let me show you something. And I see it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so this scripture, Luke 14, 34, had on the back burner for a while. Jesus says, salt is good. But if salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for land nor for the dunghill, but men will throw it out. Now he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I'd always talk to the Lord about this, and I'd say, Lord, I don't, I, I'm not following you here because salt is salt. And salt can't get less salty. Salt is salt. So then how can salt lose its flavor? And so I would talk to the Lord about it. And, and you said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And I'd say, Lord, I don't guess I got the ears to hear. I'm not following you correctly on what you're trying to say. Oh, yeah, I can see the, you know, I can make it fit in different ways. But I really want to know what you're talking about in that. And so the other day I was sitting there and I came across my daily reading. And this is my scripture. And it popped up. And I said, Lord, how can salt lose its saltiness? And he said, it can't. I said, well, I thought you said it could. And he said, it can only get diluted. And then I started to think about it. You know, you can take salt and you can get salty water. But the more water you pour into it, then all of a sudden it becomes less salty. It's not salty anymore, right? And you can keep pouring water and keep pouring water. And I mean, finally, the one little... You know how I, I, one of my greatest memories was as a kid when we'd make ice cream and the, the what did you call that thing? Yeah, I know it had rock salt in it, but what did you call the, was it an ice cream freezer? I mean, was that what it was called? What did what'd you call the bucket with the little, a churn? Okay, whatever. That thing, you know what I'm talking about. And we kids, we'd put the rock salt on there, and they'd roll, and we'd do that, and they'd be every Sunday afternoon, and, and I'd eat that rock salt. Well, if you took that piece of rock salt, and you, you, you dropped it in water, it would just a little bit of water, it would be salty, right? But if you just kept raising the level of water, before long, you dilute the salt, and you're not going to sense or taste that there's salt in it. And the Lord said, when I started looking at this, and I saw that, I, started, I said, man, that's what's happening to so much of the world, people of the world. They, they, they don't have salt in themselves anymore because they've been being diluted, saturated with everything that's coming in. Whether it's worry, whether it's troubles, or whether it's blessings, or it's jobs, or it's children, or it's whatever. It gets in and it starts diluting and all of a sudden you're not salty anymore. Because he has said, have salt in yourself. In other words, you've got nothing to say because you're just like the world because you just got diluted. Y'all following me? Okay, so I'm going to share something with you from that. But as I share it with you, it's, I told my wife someone, I said, this is really a hard Sunday for me because I have something that's right here that I want you to get. But I don't know how to get it out of here and to your heart except by the power of the Holy Spirit you hear it. It's got to be supernatural this morning because I don't have any great, <clears throat> you know, like, 
some great message that I'm going to get to orate to you. I have a revelation. It's a hard thing to do because I want you to understand this, but yet I can't even find the English words to tell you. It's a difficult thing for a preacher. Because if I was to sit here, and I'm going to I am, I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to tell you the next level, the next, the second part, you first you, you know you've got to have a, a Savior, okay? And the second part is you've got to understand what salvation is. And I can say, oh, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And you can say, oh, okay. Oh, by the way, God wants to give you everything. God wants to bless you. God wants to heal you. God wants to have love on you and God wants to have mercy on you. And I can tell you all these things that are benefits of salvation. But if you don't have faith in it, you're not going to walk in it. Think about this. The gospel, the good news that Jesus arose from the dead that we celebrate on this Sunday morning, coming together and worshiping him. There are people that don't believe that. They don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. You're sitting here this morning and listening to this message and came to church because you believe in God. You believe in Jesus. You believe he did rise from the dead. You called upon him as your savior and he said, I want you to be my savior. Well, when that took place, like we talked about last week, when you came to yourself and you had a knowing that you knew that you knew that you knew that you were right with God because you were born again, it came into your life, there were benefits of that. But then, see, that God gets diluted with our own life experiences. Churches that don't preach the same, don't believe the same, don't, don't teach people. You, you, it can get diluted till. Yes, I'm saved. Okay, well, what benefit of it? Well, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And that's the only benefit. Do you see what I'm saying? Y'all hearing me this morning. It's a great benefit to know that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. That's a great benefit, a great blessing, right? But there is a string of other promises that are all yours if we would just pray and believe them. But we don't because we don't have faith in it. And we don't have faith in it because either something in life has happened to us that set us back, okay? Or we tried something and it didn't work. And so we start to develop within our own thinking of how God's doing it or what God would do for us. And so therefore we, we shut off. We don't ever develop the relationship with him. We never go to him and sit down with him and say, well, how does this work? Okay, I want to know how Jesus walked on water. He defied the natural. I want to know how God parted the Red Sea. It defied the natural. I all the time am pressing on God and, and asking Jesus and the Holy Ghost to reveal to me how you break forth from the supernatural to the natural. I want to understand it. You say, well... Well, I don't know if you're supposed to be delving into those things. Well, if one day I'm not here, then I was like Elijah, and he took me up to heaven, and glory to God, y'all can figure it out. I want to know how Philip got translated. You say, well, well, well how, does that, how does that, I mean, why do you want to know those things? Because if I can understand those, those things that seem extreme to us in the supernatural, well, then I can understand 
the simpler things that my mind can contain, because it's really not complicated to God at all, but we put things in categories. Hello? You know, like, like if you're going to pray for somebody and all they have is a runny nose, you, it seems to not take as much faith in if they had two blind eyes. We put it in categories. It's not in a category of God. We do that. This is going to be a more difficult healing. But healing is healing to God. To heal a runny nose or two blind eyes, it don't make him no difference. He's just looking for faith to move. Well, it's going to be, you know, you're going to have to really squeeze out a prayer on that one. Are y'all following me? Are y'all with me? I mean, I'm making sense here. I mean, if you're just praying for something little, then you don't worry too much about it. Like, like, let's say you get in your car and you're going to go to San Antonio that day and you pray, oh, God, just put angels around me so, you know, I'm going to get down there safely and back. I'm, I'm sure most of y'all do that. You throw up that prayer. But you're not really expecting to have a car wreck and get killed. Right? So, I mean, you pray it, but it seems like it would be a relatively easy one for the Lord to ask, I mean, to answer. And you're a pretty good driver anyway. Now, if you hit everything that comes down the road, you may take a little more faith, right? So we're doing this. It's not God doing it. We're doing it. We're categorizing things and saying, ooh, that's going to be a harder prayer to get answered than this one. And we do that because we don't really have a relationship with God. To say, oh, Lord, my God, when I, an awesome wonder, that we're blown away by God because he's so awesome. And we're just like, wow, you can do anything. Are y'all following me? Y'all hearing what the Lord's trying to say this morning? God doesn't want us to be limited. He doesn't want us to dilute our salt. With all the cares of the world and the things that are going on, he doesn't want us to be diluted to where we can only have a relationship with him on one little level because that's all we can believe for. Psalms 98.2 says, The Lord has made known his salvation. God's not hiding anything from us. He's not trying to keep you in the dark. Well, don't let them know too much. Right? How about this? How about if you get to the place of a, of a psalm that we all can probably quote Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Wow, wouldn't it be in a great and glorious to live in a place to where your relationship with God is so strong that you don't have any wants? Now, I'm not asking you. In order to get to the, what I'm talking about, the level of relationship I'm talking about, you don't have to go and join a monastery. Okay? You don't have to become a monk and all you do is sit around and chant all day long and, 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 and you know, light candles and whatever else monks do. Monk stuff. There were some people in the Old Testament, they called them pillar saints, not the Old Testament, the old days. And... Uh, these dudes built these tall pillars and crawled up on top of them, sat on there because they thought they'd be closer to God and prayed. They're just nuts. It didn't make them any closer to God. Well, I guess elevation-wise it might have, but you're following me. I'm talking about a relationship with God. Just, let's just put the point to where it should be. You live in a place where you don't have any want. 
Now, you can't say, because I just heard this in my head. That doesn't mean that you live in such a poverty level and you're satisfied with it. See, some people can say, well, I don't have any wants because I'm just satisfied where I'm at, doing what I'm doing. Okay. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being blessed in your life so that you can bless others. And I'm not talking about denominations, uh, money. Are you telling me this morning that every one of you have all the amount of joy you want? I can tell you, I don't. I want more joy. You know, joy is contagious. When you're happy and you're joyful and everybody around you then is going to be joyful and then all of a sudden you're the life of the party and everybody wants to be around you because you're joyful and you're positive and, you know, and, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing. Hello? How about Psalms 144, 1 and 2? It says, Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. My loving kindness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, and the one in whom I take refuge. I mean, is that where you are in your relationship with the Lord? You're not worried about anything because you know he's your fortress, he's your high tower, he's going to take care of you? How about Psalms 103? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forgetting all of his, all of his benefits. See, there's benefits to salvation. Who forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. Who redeems my life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and the acts of the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. That's your benefits. Yet we walk around and say, man, what are we going to do if Biden gets in for another four years? What are we going to do about the grocery price? What are we going to do about the fuel price? Oh, it's hard. It's difficult. It's taxing upon people. But are you following me here? If your relationship with the Lord is such that you see the benefits of your salvation, then it changes everything about you all of a sudden now. Man, you're always looking positive or anything because those, you know those benefits are yours. Now, I used to pray when I first started out in my walk with Jesus. I'd pray, and then the next morning, if it didn't happen, I'd say, what's up, Lord? What's going on? What is taking place here? Why aren't you moving? What is it? Have I done something wrong? Did I not pray right? I was looking for magic, not miracles. Miracles take some time, but I was looking for magic. I wanted God to answer my prayers instantaneously as I prayed them. Not even considering what the will of the Lord was. Not even considering what God wanted. I was just arranging my life. Hello? I know y'all hadn't ever prayed like that because y'all are good people and y'all don't make mistakes like I do. But anyway, and then I began 
doubt began to creep in. And then I began to study and I began to look and say, well, maybe I'm not praying right. Maybe I'm not holding my mouth right. Maybe i got to stand on one foot. Maybe I should have lit a candle. Maybe I should have done this. Maybe I should have done that. You know, this is, it's got to be something, something I didn't, I need to repent. And then I got into all the things about, well, maybe it's a, you know, it's a, it's a devil. Maybe it's a, it's a, 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 a family curse. Maybe, you know, all these things could be. But I mean, I began to just spend all my time trying to figure out why my prayer wouldn't get answered rather than turning and looking and saying, you know, God, you're amazing. And my benefit is that once I prayed, you heard my prayer, 1 John 5, 14. And if you heard my prayer, then you're working on my prayer, so I don't really need to be worried about anything. How about in Psalms 23 where he said, where he says, uh, and I prepare a table before you in the presence of my enemies, and your cup runs over. That, that puts an image that the enemy is trying to harm you Yet God says, here, let me take care of this. I want to put you at a table, feed you, and your cup's not going to get empty. Have you all ever been at a restaurant and you didn't, your tea run out and, and the, the, the girl wouldn't come by and you're, you're trying to catch her attention right now and your tea's out? It gets irritating. Hello? I mean, like, it's got a, I don't know about y'all, but I like, I'm, I'm the kind of person that likes to eat and I like all my bites to, to, to finish the same. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, if I've got a, if I've, let's just say I have some chips on the plate and I'm eating, well, then if I run short of the chips and there's two more bites, it just seems wrong. I'd go get another couple of chips and it all finishes out equally. Right? Well, the same thing is when I'm drinking my tea or whatever with it. If I'm out of tea, there comes a certain point. I want to drink a, drink a tea while I'm eating. And if I'm out, I'm irritated. So God says, I'm going to put you at a table. And your enemies are trying to attack you. But the relationship I want with you is you just sit here and I'll take care of it. And your tea glass is never going to run empty. Woo! So how many of you great, amazing, powerful Christians have had a trial come in your life and trouble. And you just sat down at the table and drank tea and talked with the Lord about it and never even worried. See, most of the time we get fretful. And we begin to worry. And we begin to, oh gosh, what are we going to do? We're going to need to do this. We're going to need to do that. And that's the, that's the diluting of your salt coming in. That's the diluting of your salt coming in so, it's, so that you're not as salty as you should be. I want to be that person. I can tell you I'm not there. I'm there more than I was when I started out, but I'm not to the place I'd like to be. So let me just give you a few benefits of salvation that you could write down if you want. And I'll give you the scriptures. You've been reconciled. You're at peace with God. You're not alienated. You can have a right mind. You've been made holy. Been made blameless. You're above reproach. You're part of the family. You identify with God. You're an heir. See, this one bothers me. <clears throat> like, I'm just telling you, this is the way I feel here on earth. It may change when I get to heaven, but right here on earth, I'm like, you're talking Jesus, the son of the living God who gave his life for me. Took all the lashings, took all the... The, 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 the horror of abuse and crucified on a cross for me and arose from the dead. And he's in heaven. And I'm called a joint heir with him. 
I mean, I'll be glad just to slip under the gate. Like, like my little dog. My little dog's pretty little. And uh, so for some reason, she doesn't want to open the gate to go down into the, to where the sheep are. And she don't want to go through the gate. She wants to crawl under. And so I'm trying to teach her. You're the master's dog. You don't crawl under gates. Come stand here by my side and go through as, you know, a child of the king. But I'll stand there and hold the gate. I'm say, come on, let's go. And she runs over there and runs underneath the gate. I'm like, don't do that. That's, that's not where you belong. You belong over here. But to think that God thinks that way about me? I'm blown away. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Let me just, let me just stand over here in the corner of heaven and, and there's Jesus in me. You know, I'm just, I just want to be in. There's nothing but glory awaiting you. Those are all benefits of salvation. They're all yours today. The day that you got made right with Jesus, all those benefits became yours. So let me just ask you, let's just turn this around a little bit. So let's say you had a rich uncle. And the rich uncle left you an inheritance. And he passed away. They read the will. Said all your money's sitting over there in the bank. It's yours. $300 million. Let's make the figure high. It's yours. And you take the, take the attitude of, wow, that's a lot of money. I mean, that's the kind of money rich people have. I, I don't, makes me feel kind of funny. I don't know if I want to go over to the bank or not. And, 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 and $300 mil, million, what, a, what in the world am I going to do with $300 million? I don't know. That's more money I ever had. I mean, I've just made it paycheck to paycheck my whole life, and now I've got $300 million, and wow, that makes me feel kind of funny. And I mean, the banker, i got to go talk to the banker. I don't want to talk to the banker because every time I talked to the banker before, it was because I was overdrawn. And so you don't go. And then one day, one day, you know, a year goes by, you don't go. And then you call down to the bank and you say, man, I just want to check. Is that money still there? Well, no, it's not. The 300 million you have, your uncle had it set up and it's been growing interest. And, and now there's 400 million. And you're like, oh my gosh, 400 million. What am I going to do? You hang up the phone real quick. Unplug the phone. You're scared. You don't know what to do. Are y'all seeing this? And then if your friend knew this, he'd say, are you an idiot? Come here, I'll show you how you do this. You walk in the bank, kick open the door and say, I'm here. Where's my money? Somebody bring me a coffee. Right? But we're as Christians. Hear me this morning. This is why I'm saying I can't. I got, it's got to be by the Holy Ghost to come out of here to you because I'm saying this is the benefit of your salvation. Yet we're just going to stay over here and... and Eat our cracker. Y'all know that story. I told it a thousand times in 30 years. I'll tell you a thousand and one. You know, a guy, he, he bought a passage, bought a ticket in the old days to go by boat from Europe to America. And he saved up his money, saved up his money. He got just enough money to buy his ticket. So he bought his ticket. And so he got on the boat and he carried cheese and crackers with him. And he had it figured out how many cheese and how many crackers he could have to make it on the long boat ride all the way from Europe to the America. 
And so every day he would sit out and he would look into the, the room where everybody else was eating and dining and doing all that, and he'd eat his cheese and his crackers. And one day one of the stewards came by and he said, uh, uh, sir, would you like to come join us? Oh, no, no, I don't want to join you. No, I'm, I'm fine here. And so he sat out there. Then they got to the end of the, to the, of the trip. They were like a day out from docking in New York. And uh, the steward came by and he said, sir, I've got to ask you a question. I've noticed you out there this whole trip. You sat right here outside the dining room and, and you ate your cheese and crackers. Why? He said, well, I was embarrassed. I didn't want to say I, I only had enough money for the ticket for the passage. So he looked at his ticket and said, sir, you have to understand, the meals were provided on the ticket you bought. You sat out here the whole time when you could have been in there eating steak, but you ate your cheese and crackers because you didn't have enough sense to know that your ticket you bought included meals. How stupid he must have felt. Are we going to be like that as Christians? Are we going to have the great benefits of salvation? Yet we're going to sit back and eat our cheese and crackers because that's all we can believe God for. Man, I'm preaching good. Woo, I'm preaching good. Colossians 1.19 says, It pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. By Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind, where in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Jesus did it all for us. When Jesus arose from the grave and came out on that resurrection Sunday morning, and he arose from the grave and came out and was the king of kings and the lord of lords. You had the keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hand. And ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He brought about reconciliation for every Christian or every person who would become a Christian. You say, that's just too good to be true. It is. It is overwhelmingly, awesomely, magnificently great. So then why do we sit around and listen to the devil? Why do we sit around and let him tell us what's going to happen and what's going to take place? Why do we sit around and let him make us discouraged and disheartened and, and, and sad? Why do we do that? Instead of rising up and saying, hold on, buddy, listen to me. This is the facts. The facts is I'm born again. I've been reconciled with God. He isn't mad at me. I'm sitting at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The blood has covered me of my sins. My sins are as far as the east is from the west. And if I checked on that, they never connect. So I'm not going to have my salt diluted listening to your garbage. I'm going to sit here at the table with my father. Oh, but we'll let... The enemy come in and get us over there whining and crying in our minds about this person did that and that one did this. And if this wouldn't happen, we let us spend all this time listening to the devil, running over these scenarios and having court in our heads and trying to be justified and this and that. And the other one, we could just sit down at the table with our heavenly father and say, Daddy, what, what, would, you, what would you like? 
What's on the menu today? I remember I was in Chile years ago preaching, and they took us to this home to eat, and uh, they were serving us the best, and they served us mussels on the half shell. Now, you know, God bless them, and I knew they were wanting to bless me, and so I knew I had to eat it, but it just did not look appetizing at all. And so I put salt on it, hoping it was like a slug and it would disappear. And it didn't. And I ate it with a smile on my face. Because I knew if I rejected it, they were going to be rejected. Okay? All I'm saying is that was not the meal I would have wanted to eat. But I ate it with a smile on my face. Sometimes sitting down with the Lord in my relationship with Him, sometimes the meal's not really what I want to eat. Like he's saying, Robert, look, you really need to stop talking like this. You really need to quit saying negative out of your mouth. Because I don't want to hear that. Are y'all with me? But I've learned at the table with the Lord, no matter what it is, the meal's going to be good. If I'll just eat it, it'll be okay. It'll do me some good. It'll do me some nourishment. All the promises of God are true. I've got so many of them written down here, I'm not going to go into it. I want to focus on this last one. I say that, I'm not, I don't want to lie. It may not be the last one. Luke eleven five. He's talking to the disciples. The disciples said, how do you pray? So he's talking to them. And he's trying to teach them. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer. And then he gives, goes down to verse 5 and he says, And he said to them, Which of you have a friend will not go at night, at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me. On his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within and say, Do not trouble me, for my door is now shut, and my children are, are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Say to you, I say to you, though, he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many, much as he needs. Now, there's another scripture I had on the back burner for a long time. Because pers- the word persistence to mean to me, means a pest. It's the kid standing there. Hello? You know, I want, I want, I want. It's my little dog standing there with their ball, dropping at my feet continually and will not go away. Okay? Persistence, to me, means pest. And I would always say to the Lord, why would I need to be persistent with God so then why didn't he just answer me the first time and then I wouldn't have to be persistent and that seems wrong if I'm up there begging God for something that I have to beg God and be persistent. That doesn't seem to jive with the rest of the Bible. And then the Lord explained to me what persistence means. Okay? Persistence just simply means that I know that's where the source is and I go back all the time for it. He knew, the friend knew, his friend had three loaves of bread and he knew where to go. He knew he was at the source. God's not irritated with you when you're needing to have lunch with him all the time. Hello? He's probably more irritated with you when you don't want to set a lunch date. Because Hebrews eleven six 6 says that without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of the things that you've asked. God's looking for faith in us. God's looking for us to set an appointment, sit down at the table, and have dinner. He's looking for us to seek, right? 
Hebrews 11 then talked about asking you shall be given, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be opened unto you. But that means you doing something. Think of it. God is always here. He's omnipresent. It's only you that are not present. He's omnipresent. Everywhere at the same time. It's only you who are not present. How? Oh, I'm going to get us in trouble. Husbands, just stay, stay looking at me. Do not. Do not look down. And I'm not trying to get you in trouble, but just keep looking straight ahead. Husbands, how many times has your wife been talking to you and you were not present? See, everything's quiet. Everybody's looking. He's talking about. And finally, he said, are you listening to me? But that's God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, but you're not present. Why? Because you've got your salt diluted. Your salt may have been diluted because all you have done and lived and serving God is by works. I mean, just by works. And so, therefore, you've worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked to be pleasing to God. And then you didn't see the prayers get answered like you thought they should have. And you're just tired and you're just kind of, you know, yeah, I still want to go to heaven, but I ain't going to talk to you anymore. I'll leave you with this one and we'll have communion. In Luke 15, 20, in the story of the prodigal son, I used this last week. In the story of the prodigal son, remember he came to himself and he goes back. And he's going back to the father with his speech to try to get into the household. And verse 20 says, and he arose and he came to his father. But when he saw him still a great way off, his father saw him. He had compassion. He ran. He fell on his neck and he kissed him. The father was already looking for the son to come home. He saw him a great way off. The father got up and ran. And I'm telling you this morning that as we have communion here today, that the omnipresent almighty God wants to have a relationship with you. But you've got to get in the present. You've got to be at the place in life where you want to sit down at the table with him and eat. You're not running from God. You're running to God. If something is holding you back, guilt, some sin of some sort that you think God doesn't want to talk to you because you're unpleasant to him, well, then believe what the scripture says. Your sin is as far as the east is to the west. Just simply say, Father, I'm sorry I messed up. I'm sorry I messed up. I'm sorry I blew it. And instantaneously, forgiveness is all yours. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing separating between you and God. The amazing love of God is being poured out for you. God is not against you. He's for you. Romans 8 tells us that. What are you going to say to these things? If God be for me, who in the world could be against me? He didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for me. How is he freely not going to forgive us of all things? Amen? So put your Bibles up. And let's just have communion. And let this awesome almighty God come into your life right now. And you can start developing that relationship. Amen? Can I have my ushers and uh, prayer team people and all come down this morning? Help me here. Those of you that are at home or watching, you, you can get your communion elements out. And while I'm serving them to get them to help me up here minister to y'all, start thinking about this message and let the Holy Ghost, let the Holy Ghost start stirring it in you. And wherever you need to be, whatever you need to do, when you come up here in just a minute, just let the Spirit of God minister to you. Amen.
The Bible tells us on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took bread and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, now take and eat. But this is my body, which is broken for you. So Lord, we think about, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us, for, for going to the grave for us, but Lord, rising as a victorious conqueror. Lord, we praise you for your body being broken so ours could be healed. We thank you, Jesus. So then after the supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new cup poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. So take and drink it so that you can be forgiven and broken. Father, I just pray right now over everyone here. Lord, this message sinks down in our hearts. We understand the benefits of salvation. Lord, we seek, we have a hunger and a fire that burns down in our bones, Lord God, to just know you in a greater way. To be able to walk in, in everything that you paid for, Jesus. You paid for it. We want to walk in it. So, Lord, I just declare this revelation goes forth. Holy Ghost, just, just breathe a fire upon the people. Even today as we fellowship at dinner on the grounds, Lord, just let a fire go through us, Lord God, that just causes a hunger to stir within our hearts. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you, Lord God, for all the food and the, the hands that prepared it and that it's blessed and it's a great day of joy and victory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.